Lee. Communion story is uh, a family event, in a sense. We've been meeting around the Lord's table, and it's an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody, hear the testimonies of other people, and discover a few things about how we grow in Christ, and that'll be true tonight. And we see what God is doing beyond these walls, and we get a glimpse of His work in the world, and how He's gifted us to make His name great and what it looks like to live under the shadow of the cross. So, continuing this theme, I'm going to invite Yemi to come up and join me at the front and uh, hear a bit about her testimony. Um, Yemi was welcomed as a new member into Windsor uh, at a members meeting and then publicly this morning. So, Yemi, this I should say, if you're thinking about membership, you don't have to do this, <laughs> but have a seat, Yemi. <clears throat> and uh, I think one of the things that I've appreciated so much about the members' meetings is that you do hear stories of how people have come to know Christ, and therefore, on the back of that, I've asked Yemi to tell us a bit about her story, uh, because there's things that I think we'll be encouraged by and challenged by. So, Yemi, tell us about the early... Christian influence you had, uh, how you've been introduced to the gospel, but uh, let me put the question this way, not impressed enough to make a difference in your life and your allegiance to Him. So, what's all that about? Good, e good evening, church. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yes. Okay, good evening, church. Um, my late dad was um, from Ogumosho, that's Ogumosho in Nigeria, the home of um, Nigerian Baptist Seminary. Um, my dad had a Baptist education and um, the community w um, was basically a Baptist community. The Baptist missions built the schools, they built the churches, they built the hospitals and um, my dad had a free Baptist education, so that basically held his allegiance to the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so growing up, I remember that um, we would go to the Baptist church, and each time that he was transferred, he would look for the Baptist church that was close to the house, and that would become our home church. We will go to church, sing hymns, and then... Um, we'll go to the missions house. Like every Baptist church had a mission house. So we'll go to the Baptist <coughs> mission house. We'll play. All the kids will go there. We'll play. Then we'll go back home. And then uh, it was basically interesting and uh, more like tradition for me. Mm -hmm. I went to boarding school when I turned 11. And then um, my mom took hill. And... Um, Basically, in um, what's it called? Um, in the boarding school, you have the interdenominational fellowship we go to every Sunday. So, basically, sometimes I go, sometimes I don't go. I had peers that were Muslims. I had friends that were Muslims. So, basically, maybe some some Sundays mornings I'll just stay in my dorm and then don't go anywhere. So, basically, I would say. Going to the Baptist church was just a tradition for mm. me, and I wasn't 
ready to make any commitment at that time because I had friends that we all had our own um, peer influences and all that. And then I think my mom's um, illness and uh, death afterwards really, really put its toll on me. And then I just did my own thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So rich heritage and tradition, but not really impacting. And then you moved to the Fountain of Life Church that seemed to connect with who you were, where you were at. Tell us a bit about that influence. Okay, when I gained admission into the university, um, I went, I remember going to the Baptist Student Fellowship and then the rules were just too much and I said to myself, oh, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so um, my cousin then, uh, my older cousin, he took me to the Fountain of Life Church as I then, um, the late Pastor Taiwo Dukoya and Bimbo Dukoya, they had a ministry, it was called um, The Singles Are Married, and then they were raising new generation of Christian leaders, and it was a very vibrant move, and um, basically it was more about, um, Pastor Taiwo had a Baptist, um, was a core background, so it was easy for us to blend in, and then basically it was um, more of um, confessing the word, the communion. We, we could see the efficacy of the word. We picked promises every Sunday, even if not Sunday. Whatever you are believing God for, you just pick promises and then you dwell on those promises and then we, we could see those promises work in our lives and that was what we just needed for that phase of our lives. Then um, in the singles are married, um, like um, we were raised, um, like I would say the Baptist uh, mission or our generation of parents, the kind of Christianity they were raised with was the kind of Christianity that um, you could marry anybody from any religion, but tribe, it was kind of difficult. For instance, I'm Yoruba, Chuks is Igbo. So, <laughs> Me telling my parents that I want to marry Hebrew, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's a big, big one. So, mm. but if I had a Muslim Yoruba that I wanted to marry, they would allow me marry the Muslim because mm. the Muslim was Yoruba okay. and they could easily get along with yeah. that. So, mm -hmm. basically, um, one of the things they taught us in the Fountain of Life Church was that we we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and then they taught us that as Christians we are like one so regardless of your tribe your religion mm -hmm. or whatever once somebody is born again and it's 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 um, truly born again so that one should be like our yardstick for choosing a life partner not about the tribe or religion mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. so many of us are divided along um was it called tribal lines in Nigeria? So mm -hmm. basically, Pastor Styro, late Pastor Styro and Bimbo, were the ones that um, mentored me. And then I, as I then I made the commitment to get born again, and I got baptized at the Fountain of Life Church. Mm. So real countercultural kind of position taken by uh, that church as they read the Bible and applied it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of information about how you and Chooks managed to negotiate <laughs> that arrangement, but we'll, we'll park that one for now. Check, check out the rest of the story privately. 
But you studied English yes. and entered the world of work as a journalist. Uh, what was that like? And why did you consider leaving a very lucrative career as a, as a journalist and begin to work in a church? Okay, I remember that um, when I started working in, in the newspaper, um, it was a national newspaper. I wouldn't want to mention the name. Um, basically, in the mornings, we go out, cover stories. You could do some travels as well. Sometimes we travel. It had its own pegs. We traveled a lot. We did everything. But we would all return back to the newsroom at night. And that is when we watch out for the breaking story. Everybody's on the TV, all the news. So we watch out for the breaking story. We'll plan the pages. We'll do whatever we need to do. And then afterwards, nothing else, maybe around 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., nothing else to do. And then the male editors would come. They started picking on us, the rookies. And then <laughs> there was a lot of sexual harassment going on. And then some would even threaten you that, oh, if you don't yield to my request, I'm, I'm going to make your life hell and all that. So uh, I reached out to some of the older female colleagues and then they said to me that it's the normal thing in the newsroom that if I can't deal with it, then I move on. So I kept on. It was my job. I kept on. Then one day I just saw an advert. Um, it was about um, a mentorship program in the women's and women in business and management um, mentorship program. As God would have it, my mentor, the mentor they paired with me, me with was a pastor a pastor in the Redeemed Christian Church of God. So she took me to the Iluyomades, the Iluyomades, Pastor Heidi and Pastor Shiju. They, they were the pastors in charge of the RCCG CSR. So that was how, and before then, I, I had been volunteering at the publications department of Fountain of Life Church, but not really doing anything except for the magazines, the publications and all that. So um, she took me there and then told them that I could work with them. And then that was how I got involved in the redeemed missions and then worked in the church office. I know that was a very challenging situation we met Jukes when he arrived here in Queens. You came a couple of months later mm -hmm. because of the work that you were engaged in there, and so you've stepped out of that, come here. I'll find out a bit more about that move in a moment, but uh, tell us a bit more about the Redeemed Church of God. Obviously, it's a very vibrant movement seeking to reach into tough areas of Nigeria, especially those uh, northern parts where Boko Haram have really dominated life. What, what kind of impact did you see in your own experience working with uh, Redeemed Christian Church? Okay, one of the missions of um, the Redeemed Christian Church of God is that um, for every five minutes you walk in Nigeria, there must be a Redeemed Church, and for every home there must be a Redeemed, um, there must be a Redeemed member. So it's a massive evangelism. So when we moved to the north, um, basically Islaw Foundation and Arise Women, those are the two 
major charities that were working in the north. So when we moved into the north, the first places we went to were the IDP camps. The IDP camps, we saw the internally displaced people. Um, we had our mobile clinics. Um, there was a lot of medical outreaches. One of the tools Redeem uses is um, feeding the poor. So we called and um, we call that um, the pink buckets. The we feed them. We have daily feeding centers. Um, there were free schools. Um, then, after that, um, villages were adopted because we realized that some of them came from villages to the IEDP camp, and then we would go back to those villages, build them schools, equip the um, libraries, boreholes. Um, what's it called, build medical centers for them to resettle back into their communities and all that. So it was a massive move of God then. Another thing um, the Redeem was doing then was that um, for the expensive medical equipment that the government hospitals could not afford, would buy them the dialysis machines, the incubators, will give it for them to run them and then we had um, reading um, the city of David had them um, was it called um, a dialysis center that was subsidized um, so many things that we did and then which brought people to um, Christ then another thing that was um, really um, another tool we used was that we focused on the women we had to make the women financially literate and then we empowered them with skills. We had um, skills acquisition centers and all that for them. So we talk, um, once the woman is financially independent, she's able to cater for her kids, the kids. You know, when most of them, they were displaced was from Boko Haram and all that. So Boko Haram simply means no to education. Mm. So we make sure that the women themselves are educated so that they could send their children to school and then break that cycle. So mm. most of them embrace the education such that the village heads even reach out to us and then they even protect us when we come into the communities mm -hmm. and it was it was such a massive move and it was a great impact that the redeemed christian church of god was doing in the north and that was one of the reasons i couldn't come with in november um, in october because it was like our major outreach to the north and um we had um, we have our annual women's conference as well so that's what the redeemed Christian Church of God was doing. You've given us a little glimpse into a, a whole world that most of us won't know anything about, mm -hmm. but certainly hearing the news about what's happening in Nigeria and northern Nigeria, uh, it's so encouraging to recognize that the Lord is at work through these. I know that you said to me some of the challenges of going into a village. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to deal with the imam or the Muslim leaders. Mm -hmm in order to get permission, but there seemed to be an openness. Yes, because um, basically the women, the women, w once we, um, the women, it was basically the women that would help us speak to them and then 
when they see that the women, we take some of the things that they produce from those centers and take them to Lagos to sell and give the money back mm -hmm. to them. So they could see that their lives were changing and then they could embrace the Christianity we brought to them. So you stepped out of a very busy, dynamic mission situation <laughs> to follow your husband with your daughter, <coughs> Michelle, and uh, what's that transition like stepping into a Baptist church? <laughs> uh, For me, this place is home. Um, the people are welcoming and um, I like it here. Um, it's basically not a big transition for me. Anywhere I find myself, I make it home. And um, I like it here. And it's not a big transition for me. So tell mm. us about home. What, what is home life like with Jukes? Not <laughs> uh, you don't need to tell us any uh, <laughs> secrets, but how, how do you follow the Lord in your home life? Okay, um, like I said, we met at the Fountain of Life Church. So basically, most of the things we learned under the um, leadership of Pastor um, Taiwo, breaking bread, fasting, praying, um, what is it called, daily, um, daily worship in the mm -hmm. morning, we pray together, we worship, and mm -hmm. we fast if we need to, mm -hmm. and then efficacy of the word the mm. word never leaves us yeah, yeah. wonderful <laughs> yeah mate thank you so much for being willing to let us see a little bit about what god is doing in your life uh, we praise god with you and uh give thanks for your part in this church life i know you picked a hymn to finish with uh tell us why you picked that um <laughs> You know, I told you I grew up in the Baptist church and what <laughs> hymns was part of our lives. Right. Um, my mom loved that hymn and okay. um, she would sing it. Even when she was ill, I could remember her singing it and then I would look at her that right. you are dying and then you are singing. <laughs> uh -huh. My hope is built on, <laughs> on nothing, nothing else. else. In Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're going to sing that in a slightly more contemporary version, I think. So... May God bless you. Yeah. Thank you.